welcome back to this week's Community Bridges podcast. My name's Jeff, your podcast host. Hopefully you've been keeping up to date with all the podcasts that we've been putting out there and know a little bit about what Community Bridges does now. If you don't and you're new to the show, make sure to check out our website at www.communitybridges.co.uk to find out more about what we do and how you can get involved. So today we're going to be talking to Shaleen and Daniel from Wellbeing SE15. They've got loads of projects going on at the minute and we managed to catch up with them a few days ago. If anyone has any questions about the, what we discussed through the show, do get in touch with us via our website or reach out to Wellbeing SE15. I'm sure they'll be willing to have a chat. Otherwise, enjoy the show. How's your day been, both of you? I mean, obviously, I've just had a little bit of a Shaleen's day, but how's your day going, Daniel? Um, yeah, it's going all right so far. Obviously, it's going to be a, a very packed day. Yeah, you've got a busy day ahead, yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully I won't uh, take up too much of your time today. Uh, it but... might be the other way around, Jeffrey. <laughs> 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 you might be like trying to say like the line is bad or something, you know, to get away. <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of data on my internet. That's what <laughs> No, I, I mean I have got I've got all afternoon until about seven o'clock this evening when I'm actually quite lucky enough to be going diving with Sandra. Oh wow! It was her birthday present, so I'm taking her diving tonight, only in a swimming pool. Uh, oh well, good. Okay, that means we, we we're not in fear of losing you then. No, not, if we get lost in a swimming pool, it'd be quite impressive actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't write it off though. You know, I wouldn't write it off yet. <laughs> so anyway, we obviously we're here with Community Bridges podcast. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we have worked with you guys here and there over the last few years, haven't we, Community Bridges? I know correct, you've helped us out correct. here and there. And... Yeah, so um, we became introduced to yourselves um, through doing our very first, like our premier wellbeing event. And I'm so glad, actually, that um, Sandra did reach out to us. Um, I think the first time I saw you guys was probably before I met Sandra. I used to see your publications dotted around Peckham. Oh, and it was always a, yeah it was always a good lovely little concise booklet of just some different things different information hearing from different organizations and i love that um perspective of it so that was why i kind of thought you know what this this could actually be a great avenue to help us to also make peckham aware of what the event that we were about to do and sandra was so welcoming and open and even at our event as well, she really helped contribute to us pulling off, like uh, we had a, a last minute hitch <laughs> presentation <laughs> issue. Remember, Daniel? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. helped us out with some, some technical issues with the laptop. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's all... laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, been, it's been fun to be, you know, to be fair over the last couple of years obviously like you said the, the publication was out uh, the, the magazine and unfortunately that uh, we had to stop that there are rumors and people are talking uh, in in the group that we might try and bring something along those lines back <laughs> it's not it's not been uh, set in stone yet but we are trying but obviously that's kind of where the podcast kind of came from was when we stopped doing the magazine the podcast came out and we right. try and do the same kind of thing with the podcast and share people's okay. messages what, so and what they're getting up stop, to why did you stop the magazine <laughs> well we, we we got to a situation with uh coronavirus when that came in it was a free magazine anyway wow. um and we were putting it in locations oh, for people to pick awesome. up that were community based and unfortunately they all closed wow. and people weren't picking it up as much and it it, it for it was quite a costly um, mm. uh, operation for the organization anyway, which was fine. Uh, but once 
that kind of died down and we realized people just weren't getting access to him anymore we decided to go more digital to try and reach more people that way ultimately okay. uh, it was a quick change to be fair it all kind of happened within, within about uh two weeks three weeks wow I think we managed to switch over from the two we kind you've of done ran... brilliantly though mm-hmm. you've done brilliantly like i've been reading your your website and stuff like that um well was it, the was website's it... just had an update it's had a, a whole new update in the last month or so it looks fantastic at the minute i've got to say great <laughs> It's, uh, there's a lot of new information on the website. If you haven't been on there recently, there is loads of new stuff on there. Okay. Um, and I, th- I believe there's even more to come in the next month or so. So do keep your eyes out on that. Excellent. Definitely. But let's talk about uh, Wellbeing SE15. Tell us a little bit more about you guys. Tell the audience about what you're initially about. I know you've got plenty of messages, I'm sure, and things that you're getting up to. Yeah, uh, we, we have actually have got a lot going on in the background. Um, it's one of those things where everything's in the pipeline, and the minute that everything kicks off, there's going to be a whole lot going on. So, um, well, I, I don't know if you know the story of how we actually started, but I'll just give you a little intro- introduction. So myself and Daniel were always doing things um, alongside of our main jobs, our, our main you know, work streams. But um, inside, we always felt and knew that we wanted to do something in the community, for the community, that brought everyone together. And we felt that we've always had our own health concerns and seen that arise within our own families. And naturally, instinctively, we were kind of drawn towards how can we better improve our health from a proactive perspective? And then yeah, um, that led on to um, myself and Daniel coming together to form Wellbeing SE15. And the WELL is actually an acronym for Holistically Enriching Local Lives. And nice. this was also spurred on from the fact that um, Peckham uh, Southwark had an initiative for funding and they they wanted to draw people back to the high street and they they started an initiative called Peckham is Open. So under that, we applied for funding and were successful in being granted some funding to be able to put on our first premier event. And from there, we've connected with lots of people like Community Bridges, um, Southwark Cultural Health and Wellbeing Partnership and other small organisations as well. Um, This all started, started, believe it's around 2016 17 or is it later than that it's it's later than that myself and daniel were doing stuff before but well-being um se15 came about in the early part of 2019 right okay okay so yeah so a couple of years right in the the midst of uh right before the pandemic just before before, (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if daniel wants to add to that so yeah so it's literally just before the pandemic hit we had our event and we were planning from the success yeah. of that event to do something in 2020, which obviously <laughs> that didn't that didn't arise. Of course, yeah, I bet that was hard work. Yeah, really. so that was a bit of a downer, but it gave us time to regroup and plan for this year. We don't know how this year is going to pan out because you know what's happening next year as well. But, um, well, we, we're all kind of on our on our toes well, for that, waiting to hear, aren't we? That's it. That's exactly that. But um, in the meantime, we've been connected with different organisations off the back of our event and that's enabled us to partake in um, different projects centered on health and well-being in the borough regardless of the situation so there's been an upside to not being able to do our own event we've been able to collaborate with different organizations which has definitely been very, very 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 beneficial and um and also um the bowel cancer project that spurred from from that downtime as well daniel mm-hmm. so we were partnered with some organizations in Southwark 
uh, we had some funding from Southwark and we were partnered with uh, NHS Southeast. Okay. And we were able to write a brief and a program for, it's presented around health inequalities in the borough. One of those projects was related to bowel cancer and the uptake of bowel cancer screening, particularly among people from the Black and African Caribbean community. Because mm. um, I know I, I've definitely heard this is a big problem in uh, America. And sorry to jump in there, because mm-hmm. I, I actually read an article about this a little while ago, and I wasn't too sure. I never really looked into it much more after that. I've got mm-hmm. to say, um, but whether it was similar in the UK. But if I remember rightly, it was something like um, fifteen or twenty percent. Uh, so African Americans are 15 to 20 percent more likely to get. Uh, I think this was uh, colon cancer, but I know that there, there's there's. Uh, I'm not a doctor, uh, <laughs> honest, so I'm not sure what the similarities are. But I can imagine it, it, it's there's a few of of these uh, numbers around. If that makes sense, there are, yeah. There, there, are simil- yeah, there are similarities in the numbers. Um, okay. I think with the states, colon cancer is a more specific issue. Um, bowel, okay. bowel cancer does include colon cancer, right, so it includes okay, okay. includes the stomach, the intestines, lower yeah. intestines, and the colon. So bowel cancer is actually an umbrella term. Yeah. Okay. That. Okay. That's so yeah. Right. But um, so those numbers are probably even more for bowel cancer uh, mm-hmm. if it's only twenty percent for colon cancer, for example. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So They're scary numbers, though. Isn't yeah, it? it is. The numbers are very scary, and the thing about the bowel cancer the issue with bowel cancer is that. Um, Say in the UK, speaking from a UK perspective, um, a lot of the cases are actually treatable and curable if they're caught in time. Yeah. The yeah. issue with um, particular um, people from our community is that it's not caught in time. It's often diagnosed too late. And like you said, that comes down to the screening aspect. Comes down to the screening, they're not going yeah. through the screening the same the way. And, and what do you think? This obviously you're. This, this is something that you guys have been talking about mm-hmm. and, and it's big within the organization right now. But it, have you got, is there a reason for this? Is there one reason? Is there many reasons that, that, that this uh, particular area of the community isn't going through the screening in the same way? As, as, is that kind of apparent or yeah. is that still not understood? Yeah, we often get asked this question. And from personal experience, I know that one of the reasons um, why people don't take up, um, you know, screenings for a lot of things is mainly because of exp- past experience of being of how we've received treatment within you know health services mm, so yeah. it gives you the you know once you've had um a, a particularly bad experience it makes you skeptical very skeptical about the reasons behind why you should go for something especially if you're walking around feeling okay you know mm. most of the time people could be in denial about small symptoms or not even realize or be aware of what symptoms they should be looking out for. Because historically, you know, if you have things wrong with you, you would take maybe give something natural or herbalistic or, you know, something that your grand would tell you to take. And you would just put that feeling to the side kind of thing. But I think most of it comes from skepticism about poor treatment and also the stories that you hear, what what happens to people. Because um, if I'm honest, I do have personal experiences and knowledge of things that have, gone wrong with people that I know and it was Mm. it came basically down to not being heard not being listened to or being ignored um so yeah that's part of it and I think the reason why it it was ideal for us to be involved is because we also do know that there are situations when people do get the right treatment 
you know, mm. or do get the care that they need and then the successful results. So we want to see more proactive health measures put in place so that people are aware of what they need to look out for in the first instance rather than just dismissing it you know mm-hmm. and, and what are the kind of first steps to get this moving in that direction then if it, is there a plan for you guys if you've got next steps where, where's it going uh, between you and this or other organization that you're kind of working with so yeah i was just going to say that um what we're going to do or what we're currently doing is holding a consultation with people from the public um we'll give you the details of that but what we're trying to do is get people's experiences documented so we can sit down with people within the health services and kind of relay to them the honest opinions of the people they're supposed to be serving in the community yeah yeah okay and that's the, that's the only way we're going to resolve these kind of situations getting people to take responsibility for their actions on both sides mm-hmm. And obviously, the more the more kind of uh, stories and experiences you gather, the, the better, really, because obviously mm-hmm. it's only exactly it's going to give you a better picture. Yeah. And, and uh, is there a platform that people can get involved in this? J- just this aspect, is in putting their stories up, or, or do they contact you directly? So what they'll do if they go to um, wellbeingsc15.org. Yeah, I'll make sure the link, all the links of yeah. this, you don't have to write it down, audience. Yeah, they will be in the, they'll be in the, the bio. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So all they have to do is go to the website and the link to the actual sign-up form and the details of the project are on the, on the, on the website. Okay, perfect. So, so it's relatively easy for them to do, yeah. uh, which is good news. Uh, and then one, once you've kind of gathered all this, you're going to take it to the, the, the respective bodies, I assume, hopefully as far as the government is, is kind of the, the end um the end part of this and policy making etc etc yeah that would be uh, that, that, that's the long term yeah, yeah. of course and, and i mean are there other organizations that you'd like to try and get involved with this that you think can give you more leverage more kind of um more presence shall we say that might be in this area have you found other organizations that would be good to connect with well in actual fact um the our, our vision for well-being se15 is that we want to become a renowned source of well-being information within Southwark. So we kind of want to be a flagship in Southwark. That's our big picture. So, um, yes, there are organisations that we could potentially think about being involved with, but essentially we're trying to actually build our own backbone. We're trying to become that organisation because if you think about Southwark, you would you wouldn't associate it to you know something flagship of well-being and that's the point we want to be renowned and uh, succinct in that way like mm. you know Southwark is a borough of well-being and then maybe that um can spread to other boroughs where they can take um example of what we've done and how we work within the community and how we've grown our ties and and things like that so that we can become that you know that renowned flagship source that's our aim actually mm. jeff Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's no, fantastic, Eamon. I'm sure we'll get you'll get there eventually, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, so what, other than uh, th- this particular area that you're working on, what what else is Wellbeing SE15 uh, about, and what else? How else can other people get involved? Oh, we love involvement. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, Wellbeing SE15 is about being happy, essentially, being happy and healthy, and. Um, as well, it's not just about um, like medical health, it's about mental health, spiritual health, and alternative health as well. Um, it's not just about going to the gym per se, it's about doing things that make you happy, which could be 
um, creating uh, something artistic. It could be um, having an allotment. It could be having a partner to do walks with on a weekly basis, reading a book, you know. So well-being, it's a, it's, it's a holistic approach that we want to have, not just a single route to, you know, um, having all of your, you know, physical, you know, like health being well. So, mm. yeah. And how people could get involved is um, we, you know, on our emails, of course, you'll put all the information. And literally, as we get events, we kind of have roles that we can ask for assistance from anybody who has skills that they want to improve upon. That could be anything from social media, marketing, um, budgeting, or, you know, anything like that. We're open to the involvement to have somebody who would like to improve, improve some skills or just, you know, do something in their downtime that they find constructive. So we're open in that way. Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like there's plenty of ways for people to get involved in. Yeah. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> and and you, you kind of touched on it there, actually, Celine. Um, and I was going to bring this up because there was something else. Along when I when I saw this article, and uh, again, that was about America, but this one was about the UK, and it followed. It must have been I must have been in an echo chamber of reading this sort of news that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it came up, and it was about the the difference in uh, family wealth between black African ethnicity and white British ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And it was it was quite an astonishing gap, really. Uh, and I've just found it online here, just yeah. to make sure I had the figures right. But the median figure of a family uh, family wealth per adult of black Af- African ethnicity is £24,000. A white Bre- British ethnicity is actually £170,000, wow. which is a considerable amount of difference. Yeah. Uh, and it... it I remember at the time I thought about it, and, and I'll, I'll raise it now, but obviously trying to create an organization, particularly, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm going to, I haven't, I, I believe you guys are an actual charity, aren't you? You're a, you're a charity, not a CIC. Is that right? Or well, a CIC, not a charity? We're, we're actually neither at the moment. We're still just uh, like a foundation organization. We're right. looking okay. to decide on whether or not the CIC route is best for us or not. But um, yeah, so we're not there yet. <laughs> I, I, it's a big decision. It took us a long, long time. So I, I completely yeah, understand. Exactly. We don't just want to just set up as anything just because we want to make sure yeah. that we choose the right um, organization for our, uh, for our business. Uh, and I mean, it's good that the CIC has actually got brought up uh, and, and allowed the, the difference between kind of limited companies and charities. Exactly. Under, and they've brought out another one as well, month. Jeff. I think subsequent uh, to that social social enterprise yeah uh, they keep they keep one, bringing yeah. them out <laughs> and it is it's a tough choice to know exactly where your organization sits and where where he's going to benefit everyone the most really exactly but okay so so um i've, I've lost my train of you thought. were just talking about basically wealth and um the disparities and, and that was exactly it so so the big so big problem and this kind of i don't know whether there's numbers out there to to say whether this is a kind of if, whether it's right or not, uh, and I'm only kind of surmising from mm-hmm. reading that article, but I could imagine it being quite difficult to start a charity in this area because they're, they're ultimately the funds are lower that you're going to receive to then support it. If that makes sense, it does make um, sense. Uh, it sounds horrific ultimately when you you say it out loud, but mm-hmm. I can imagine that being quite a big problem uh, and something that maybe you sh- maybe people should be aware of more. Yeah. Um, and I, probably hasn't been brought up too much. I think I think that, but um, being aware is a good stance to start from because, as far as I'm concerned, yes, there are disparities, and um, yes, if you're not aware, 
um, and you are seeking funding and stuff like that, then it doesn't help if you are relying on funding to be able to pursue your cause. However, I also take that as a, um, for, for myself, I take that as an advantage because I, I, you know, when you know something and you know what the weaknesses mm-hmm. are, then you know how to start looking for solutions. It's when you're not aware of things. So for me, I believe that there there is funding out there. I've learned more about funding sources and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There are lots of available sources for funding, but you just have to some some of them you have to be connected to through somebody like someone will make you aware do you know that there's this foundation because there are lots mm, of people that, as well who, that, that's probably the, that's probably the most likely is word of mouth I yes think that's how we've survived is yeah. word of mouth the funding pot yeah it truly is an important element of seeking funding but in order to have word of mouth you have to actually start putting yourself out there if myself and daniel had not started this um project together we would never have been introduced to half of the stuff that we know already. So sometimes you just kind of have to start, even if it's with something small, just start mm-hmm. from there. Just start with whatever you, you can get access to that's because it. you never know where that's going to lead to next. Um, <clears throat> also, um, there are lots of organizations. There, There's even a website. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I might be able to send you the link after that lists thousands upon thousands of sources of resources you know um and sometimes there are conditions that come with them sometimes you have to be set up as a a organization like a cic or a limited company already which again can also limit the funding that you have access to and some people are um, a bit intimidated by hearing limited company and Mm, they think that yeah they think that they they can't set it up but i think again if we can make people aware not to be scared of these letters ltd and cic's and what they essentially mean in you know verbatim terms then more people will start to want to access or try their luck you know at at accessing these funding resources Mm -hmm. i I mean i i can imagine it puts a lot of people off actually even looking at starting an organization is these kind of figures and then thinking about that kind of idea It, it 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 doesn't help the the cause, so to speak. Yeah. But would you, would you obviously you sound like you've got a wealth of uh, of, uh, of knowledge from learning over the last couple of years with setting up wellbeing being SE fifteen. Exactly. Um. But can people come and have a chat with you if they had an idea? Would could it kind of branch off when you say you kind of want to be a flagship centerpiece in in uh, the area? Is that kind of an ambition as well to be able to support other people, kind of break reaching out and, and starting their own um ideas and things. definitely definitely daniel do you yeah, want to interject about sunbeam yeah 100 percent. oh mean, yeah we, tell us about sunbeam so, so from um well-being we then became involved with sunbeam which looks at the economic disparities within the borough but more okay. than that sunbeam was set up to kind of address some of the issues we've just spoken about so access to information and access to resources at the end of the day, without the information, you can't access the resources. So the knowledge is essential. There are a lot of, of people course, out yeah. there, like we've said, who are intimidated by their their work status, their social status, their educational status. But there's opportunities to learn. There's opportunities to build yourself. There's opportunities to to tap into some of the stuff that we've tapped into over the past year alone. <laughs> And it's just about introducing people who want to push forward and do something for the community. To these right, I've resources. just found the website, and that's this uh, the Sunbeam Forum. That's it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Fantastic. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and that's exactly it. I think I think you're exactly right. I think knowledge is the key, and 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 that will help people really find their own paths and, mm-hmm. and give them the um, the room to grow. Ultimately, uh, is is most people's ambitions definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so with it, in regards, we we're kind of stepping back a little bit and go back to the kind of main focal point of what well-being's well-being SE15 is actually doing right now. Um, and, and that's the, the kind of push on bowel cancer and, and the, the the idea that we need to get more kind of traction behind that. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about how people can get involved and the kind of next steps for, for you guys um, and who else would be ideal to kind of reach out and what, what, what would be good there. What kind of activities are you kind of doing around this? Is there, have you got some events coming up? I know it's kind of difficult to, to kind of plan now, but how mm-hmm. have you got around that side of it? Because it's always quite interesting to see how organizations have kind of adapted to this aspect about actually reaching their audience without yeah. being able to interact directly. Exactly. So basically, um, we've currently um, got, um, we're planning to have our next event towards the last quarter of the year. Um, we're bearing in mind all of the rules and regulations that are surrounding COVID. So we're seeking venues that have a lot of, you know, open space, but somewhere that you could still find quite intimate. Um, so that's, it's on the cards, it's in the pipeline. Obviously we don't want to say too much because with everything up in the air with COVID rules and stuff like that. We still want to be cautious and careful about how we're going to circumvent all these different things. But basically, we we would like to do um, a part two to Wellbeing SE15. Um, it's going to be done from a, we want to get more youth involved. So we know that there are a lot of young people who have started their own businesses or they have ideas about something that they would like to sample and trial selling. So that will be our reach out for the, for the next upcoming event. We'll be looking for people aged between 16 to 22 who either have experience of something that they make themselves or something that they sell, um, you know, sell themselves. Yeah. 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 And um, and so that will be our focus next time. And it will obviously still have the health well-being associations with it. So if perhaps they sell a homemade tea or they they um, make something that I don't know, you know what I mean? I mean, the ideas are endless. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know what could come our way, but we just no, know exactly. that it's definitely it's definitely going to be focused on the youth the next one. Brilliant. Well, uh, hopefully more and more 16 to 23 year olds will get involved then. Yeah. It'll be good. Right, guys. Well, I'm going to, I mean, is there anything you want to kind of share with the audience, uh, reach out to anyone, uh, tell anyone or share an experience, anything like that? I think I'd probably just like to say um, publicly, like, thank you to all the organizations that do contribute to us, especially Community Bridges. You guys have been great, really, really great. And we can't wait to do more stuff with you. Um, I myself, I, I hope, I hope I'm going to be on here doing podcasting soon as well. <laughs> That'd be good, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what else? Just watch this space, you know, and and reach out to us if you feel that there's an idea that you'd like to suggest, or even partnerships. We we don't mind doing collaborative stuff if somebody's got an idea about an event that they want to do, but maybe they feel um, that they're a bit. Um, not ready to do it on their own but feel that they could gain something from our experience of having done an event then um yeah just get involved just definitely reach out to us um yeah 
Yeah, fantastic. Well, like I said, all the links, the info at wellbeing, se15.org and the mobile number, if you're happy for me to, will be in the link and the bio below so people can reach out if Perfect. they're listening. Uh, and, and otherwise, I mean, it'd be great to hear what you're going to be doing next year and more about where this kind of bowel cancer uh, uh, search went and things like that. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I believe we're going to be coming down to London soon uh, okay. and, and uh, reaching out to all the guys we've had contact with. So it'd be good to actually catch up, probably. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and look forward to meeting you face to face as well, Jeff. A hundred percent. I'll leave you to it, though, uh, Shaleen and Daniel. And thanks very much. All right. Have a good day. You Thank too, you very much. Thanks Thank you. Take care. Hello, everyone. This is Pragya from Elthamards, and I'm here again to talk about our Creating Connection project. And today I am in the Wyborne Primary School in a lovely, lovely room that I cannot give away the secret. So I won't tell you what it is, but it is a beautiful space. So I have two lovely teachers here from Wyborn Primary School who were involved in the project. And we thought we'd have a little perspective from them of what did they think about the project. So let's welcome Susie and Lewis and talk to them about what did they think about the project. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think about the project and what were the benefits that you think the children had from it? I think it, it, it... we were talking about this yesterday actually it really gave them a chance to understand that there are that that our community is wider and there are other people in the community and hearing their stories just it inspired so many of them didn't it and they were so interested in it all Mm, absolutely and I think because they wouldn't normally um make links with older people unless they were members of the family Mm -hmm. it gave them a completely different perspective on the community um and the lives that these people have led um you know, and it, I think that became quite important to them, yeah. didn't it? They really wanted to know and to make those make those connections. And that everybody's got their own story yeah. um, to, yeah. to share, and they really enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And what did you think about the letter-writing aspect of the project? That was fantastic. <laughs> it, it, it actually really was, because the letters that, that the young people received um, were so interesting and inspiring, um, and there was history there, um, and that made them really mm-hmm. want to connect back yeah. and to share part of their life, but also to, to show an interest and to ask questions and to want to know more. They wanted to know more about yeah. about what they'd written, which was lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, it gave them a real purpose for writing as well, and I think mm-hmm. lots of them had never received an actual letter mm-hmm. before, um, so it was it was quite a novelty for them as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so we've got some letters here that we thought would be nice to read. So we've got a letter from uh, an older participant. Her name is Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to read that one out for us? Yes, yeah, I will do. Um, Dear young person, my name is Michelle, and when I was the same age as you, about nine or ten, I had an adventure on a coral island. It was during the school holidays that few English families got together to spend a couple of days living wild on a deserted island off the coast of Malaya. The island had no electricity or buildings, just wooden shelters where we slept, a stream for fresh water and many coconut trees. The white beach was full of gorgeous shells and the sea teemed with tropical fish. It was an amazing place for snorkelling and exploring. One afternoon, an English boy of around 15 found a leaky old rowing boat and suggested that we go fishing together. While the adults were busy on the beach, I cast fishing lines over the side and he rowed out to sea. We caught weird, ugly fish that squirmed around our ankles like snakes. I sat with my knees up in case they bit me. 
The pale, quiet boy pulled hard on the oars, determined to get as far as possible from the island. Soon, I began to feel hungry and worried. It was late. Mum and Dad would be wondering where I was. I didn't want him to think that I was just a weedy little girl, but I wanted us to turn around and go back. It was already too late. The big, tropical sun was already slipping behind the horizon, and darkness fell down on us like a blanket. The island disappeared from sight. We were lost in the ocean in a leaky rowing boat full of sea monsters. I began to cry. The boy was scared too. To please me, he threw the wriggling creatures back in the sea and began to talk. His name was John and he was angry with everyone, especially with his father and his father's new girlfriend, who didn't like him. He hated his boarding school in England and felt abandoned and unwanted. I listened and said nothing. I felt sorry for him, but also for myself. What if our boat were to sink? The water was already past our ankles. We drifted aimlessly under the stars for many hours until at last the silence was broken by the sound of an engine. A fishing boat loomed out of the blackness with bright lights on its bows. I shouted and waved desperately until their searchlight found us. The angry fishermen shouted at us, but I didn't care. It was such a relief. They took us back to the island where mum and dad were waiting. John's dad was furious with him, but perhaps it made him realise how desperately unhappy his son had felt. I hope they forgave each other and learned to get along. As for me, I ran into the arms of my loving mum and dad and felt very grateful to be alive. I never saw that boy again, but I often wonder about him. I hope you enjoyed reading my letter and I look forward to hearing your comments and seeing your shadow puppets. Michelle. Wow, that was uh, a nice story, of mm -hmm. a real life story. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to hear things like that. Um, so, Susie, you've got some letter responses from the children that they've written out. So what is it that you think stood out from these letters? I think it was the interest and the wanting to know more. Mm, yeah. They'd understood the letter, they'd engaged with the letter, um, and it piqued their curiosity, oh, and, they, and they wanted to know more. Yeah. Would you like to read some of them out? I will. So the first one um, is a letter that's been written um, by Polly. So it says, Dear Michelle, thank you for sending your letter. I really enjoyed reading it. My name is Polly and I am 10 years old. I love to read, knit and sew. My dream job when I go up is to be a vet or a teacher. When I was reading your letter, I came up with a few questions that you can hopefully answer. My first question is, when you got stranded on the boat, did you ever get hungry or thirsty? If so, what did you eat or drink? Was it comfortable on the boat? Or did you ever get tired? Thanks again for your letter. Yours sincerely, Polly. Oh, that's a nice question, isn't it? <laughs> it is a nice question. Uh, and the second letter um, has been returned by Layla. Mm -hmm. And she says, Dear Michelle, my name is Layla and I'm 11 years old. Thank you for putting your time into your letter and sending it to me. It has inspired me a lot. It was very mysterious and full of suspense, and I was wondering if you were okay. When I was reading it, I thought it must have been scary to be stranded on a boat in the middle of the sea. At least you got back to your parents safely. Outside of school, I do ballet, and when I'm older, I would like to dance in the Nutcracker. My dream job is to be a doctor or a pilot. Thanks again for your letter. Yours sincerely, Layla. Oh, that is brilliant, and it's beautifully lovely. And it's nice to see how they've responded to the letter and written their own life experiences or what mm -hmm. they would like to be in the future. So it's really, really beautiful. Thank you so much. Those were really lovely letters. 
Um, in this weird time of the pandemic, where we've all learned to adapt to what we've been given, um, we as Eltomarts delivered some workshops to you digitally. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any physical engagements. Everything went on on a virtual world. So how was that experience for you as teachers? Because we totally understand that you had to handle everything on your own. Mm-hmm. And it is quite hard having 30 children and trying to deliver a project by yourself. I know you all are experts, but mm-hmm. it would be nice to listen to how did you feel as a person and as a teacher mm-hmm. being in that room? Um, I think from my perspective, um, I don't consider myself to be particularly creative. So it's always <laughs> nice to have someone there who is an expert in their field who can mm-hmm. guide and teach. Um, so doing it virtually um, was particularly tricky. The children were very engaged because it was on the screen, um, but we we just found it quite challenging to have to meet the needs of all the children and support them in what they were doing. Um, virtually, having had an expert there, would that would have been fantastic mm-hmm. because it could be modelled um, you know, more personally and more physically. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, the children weren't remotely fussed and engaged so well and just wanted to mm-hmm. to to watch and to learn and to to follow the process yeah yeah and i think the the situation that we were in with with it that was the only option that we had it was fantastic in in the way that it was delivered and how it was organized and we had all of the equipment there and the the equipment the trays that they came it was it was we couldn't have asked for more really yeah, in yeah. how well it was organized and um because we were doing on our own that made it that little bit easier um and i think as as susie said the children responded really well yeah. i think to the the online um sessions and they were having conversations they were quite excited about going up to the screen to show what they'd made yeah. so far um and and that was good mm. um but yeah a, a screen can't replace an actual person no, but yeah. in the situation that we were in i, I think, think it, it was really it well. was um considering it was virtual mm-hmm. yeah. and considering what we were doing um it went fantastically yeah. well and mm-hmm. every effort had been put in to meet every need yeah. and to help us deliver the lesson. Yeah. So it, from that point of view, <laughs> as hard you. as it was, it was actually um, a very, very um, mm-hmm. good session, wasn't it? Was, it? it worked yeah. really well. Cool. Amazing. I remember that one of the sessions, the children couldn't could see us uh, and hear us. I think we couldn't see anybody no. and we couldn't hear anyone and we had to go on the chat <laughs> it was. and type everything. So mm-hmm. it has been a learning curve yeah. for all of us, I think. We were equally panicking going, I don't know how this is going to work out. <laughs> but yes, it did work beautifully. Yeah. And I must say, um, this is what I always emphasize on this project is, um, when I picked up the shadow puppets from the schools mm-hmm. and I looked at it, which was almost in January end, It was almost like you've given a child a box of toys, a completely brand new toys. I cannot tell you my excitement when I saw those folders and I saw those puppets. Mm. I was, you know, I was literally in tears because I could not believe that an online session would have done that well of them making that fantastic puppets. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm. we're going to put, we're planning to eventually put a little exhibition in the Elton Library if we do get the chance and Mm. if we do come out of this lockdown (laughs) eventually. Uh, because I think they need to be shown. They are just so beautifully mm-hmm. made and the effort yeah. they've put into I, it. They they cared about it so much. It really meant something to them. Yeah. I think just from the letters to making the... the, the and that was the everything. key thing. I think mm-hmm. the fact that it's had so we personal. just said to them, this is how you make a shadow puppet and this is what you're going to do. By having the letters, 
it gave them something to connect to yeah, and it sparked their imagination mm-hmm. yes. so well. And the fact that they'd never made shadow puppets before, mm-hmm. um, that created so much excitement yeah. and then engagement. Yeah. Um, so the whole process um, mm-hmm. had been really well thought out and it just rolled really mm-hmm. nicely for yeah. them. And I know that some of the children in my class, because we had said that the, the people that had written the letters would then get to see the shadow puppets and them in action, mm-hmm. they looked, that gave them another kind of sense of just wanting to do so well because yeah. they, they had that connection from the letters and they wanted to kind yeah. of keep that connection going. And I think it's that mm-hmm. leadership role as well that when you were filming it and I could see the pure joy of them trying to say the story and really feeling it with all those emotions mm-hmm. and so I think it's it's also those kind of roles of going right you're going to do this and you're mm-hmm. going to do this so it was quite a good team yeah. building yeah. effort as well. It was I think. incredibly collaborative and what was mm-hmm. really nice uh, was that some children who may not have had the opportunity to work together before mm. got to work together, but they listened to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you, if you, when we stood and kind of listened to their discussions mm-hmm. about where where it was going to go and what they wanted to happen, they yeah. were all thrown ideas in and it was, oh yeah, that's really good. And then we can add this yeah. and then we can do that. And the, the enthusiasm um, and just the, yeah. the bonding even yeah. um, was brilliant, absolutely and, and brilliant. So the timing of that was perfect because we just returned to school when we yeah. first started in the autumn term after the school closure. So it was their first time kind of being back together as a class yeah. and it really helped them kind of form those bonds again. So mm. the, the, yeah, the timing was perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was thinking from our perspective as Eltham Arts, as, 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 a, as an arts organisation, we kind of feel that it is quite nice that we've developed this model and mm-hmm. we do believe as well that maybe it should be a hybrid model mm-hmm. where we can do partially things online because yeah. then that probably fits in more flexibly with the teacher's routine yeah. and timetables mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but then when it comes to maybe some parts of it where you do need a specialist in the room mm-hmm. you could have that sort of Absolutely, you know yeah. presence when you need it and I think as well that would be then a build-up of a process over time mm-hmm. so that that would again spark the enthusiasm they would look forward to the next stage yeah and then the moving forward yeah. and the where it's going and the end result mm-hmm. so to have yeah. that kind of broken down mm-hmm. rather than being in this one day but this is going to happen um, and that mm-hmm. you know there's kind of like a, a timetable to it just to know that they've got something to yeah. look forward to and what the next step is going to be yeah. would be good. So it is It is like I always say, it's learning from the pandemic that you yeah. can actually come up with things that can be done in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think us trying to deliver a community project using everything mm-hmm. virtually and digitally, mm-hmm. we've learned that, that it is possible. So you can't say that because we are people's person mm-hmm. you know you can't do something just because you're not allowed to do something i think equally as well that really um sort of showed and i think that's something that has come out of the pandemic obviously lots of things are virtual now and people yeah. are keeping in touch but keeping in touch via letters i should imagine a lot more people wrote letters when they hadn't written a letter before yeah. the children hadn't received one but it almost opened up the idea that you can still achieve things you can still communicate you can Definitely. still make contact yeah um, virtually or not and I think that's a skill in itself and one that we've all yeah. we've all really picked and up I think the children now appreciate that a lot more as well that, yeah that, that 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 has been opened up to them, that door of letter writing and communicating has mm. been opened up yeah and mm-hmm. and people in today's world forgetting mm-hmm. not just about posting letters to each other or writing letters to, I think it's also the quickness of doing things because mm-hmm. I 
I mean, if you have an email, sometimes you only respond it by like two lines. Even mm. if somebody's written you a long email, mm. you're just like in a hurry and you go, yeah. okay, bing, 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 mm. done. Whereas mm. a letter is that process of having that paper in front of you mm. and you're trying to kind the of sit down and have a little And that creates process. the thought, yeah. as you say, yeah, the thought and the time, um, at the time and what do I want to say? Because you've got the time and you have mm. more time to to go that little extra mile yeah. and to say that little bit more. Yeah. And I also think on the well-being side, it is also then taking it to the children and saying, it's not just about writing a letter to someone, but maybe sometimes it's about writing a letter to themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is about trying to transfer what's in your head, mm-hmm. when I call them many folders in our head, mm-hmm. and transferring them into a physical space, whether mm-hmm. it's writing a letter mm-hmm. or drawing a picture. Mm-hmm. But I think it is necessary for them to understand that there is a tool mm-hmm. to be able to transfer something from your head back into the physical space I and think, make more yeah, space in your, absolutely. In your mind. Absolutely. I think what it also taught them as well is because they were very happy to receive a letter, um, there was an element there that they, they learned how to be empathetic mm. and, um, and understanding and to know how it feels mm. to know that someone is thinking of you yeah. and is communicating yeah. with you. Yeah. And wants to communicate and wants you to communicate back. Yeah. Um, because I think other but that apart from that, they hadn't considered that concept, no, had they? I don't think they had, and they were just they were just so excited about yeah. it. And mm. and actually because they had there were different letters going around the class, they they you heard them discussing with each other yeah. and, and talking about their letter compared to somebody else's letter and just being excited to hear all the stories mm. and yeah. and it, it just it, I think it, it made it feel real to them yeah. that it was actually somebody had taken the time to put it onto paper yeah. Yeah. and it, it was they knew it was a real person it wasn't just a fictional book that yeah. they p- picked up that and it made them feel story. important it didn't did it? that they had been yeah. especially chosen to receive this letter yeah. it, yeah. it did and then they could make the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the recipient of their letter feel as important as they had as they had yeah. Yeah. it was a really no, it's beautiful. nice connection mm-hmm. yeah and I think it also sparked that con- connection between the school and the community mm-hmm. Um, because so many people were feeling isolated at yeah. that time mm-hmm. um, and it opened up doors for some people to kind of be able to look forward to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These older participants who had done the workshop mm-hmm. came to the workshop, mm-hmm. wrote these letters. There were some of them that hadn't been on the workshop but mm-hmm. still send us letters. Yeah. I mean, it was for them then looking forward to receiving these letters mm-hmm. and then they also then responded back to the children's letters, yeah. which yeah. I send back to you. Yeah. Um, so it's that beautiful connection, I mm. think, that you make as a school and you have reciprocated that feeling mm. yeah. within the community. So do you think that's something that you think should carry on forward and we should be, I mean, do you, what do you think is the impact of these community projects as a school? How do you see it? it I think it gives the children a sense of place in their mm-hmm. community and, and, and kind of knowing that because we talk a lot about citizenship and knowing their place in the Absolutely. as a citizen and I think it, it helps them to realize that place that they have not just within our school community but in mm. the wider community as well yeah um, yeah that we are just a, 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 a small part of yeah. a much larger community Absolutely. and actually the the aspects of that community that it is all very different it isn't just mm-hmm. about school mm-hmm. and there may be parents yeah. and maybe clubs that yeah. they attend and that that wider bit that it is much broader than that yeah um and that although everybody may be different and in different circumstances and at different ages everyone is just as important Mm -hmm. it is those levels that build up 
yeah, yeah. a great community. And everyone plays a part in that community and yeah. everyone yeah. is a and has a place, part. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. is valued so and, and yeah. that helps them, I think, respect mm. their community more Definitely. because they yeah. have an actual place in it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. that responsibility that you're mm-hmm. teaching them that you have towards your community yeah. as Definitely. well and how you need to look after each other yeah. to be able to sustain yeah. it. Definitely. It was brilliant talking to you both and Thank absolutely you. delightful to work with you. Thank you. Um, this has been a really great project and I really mm-hmm. hope it goes further and we can replicate the model again. We've learned from it a lot and let's mm-hmm. see what we can come up with it next. Mm. So thank you so much, Louis and Sylvie. No, thank, thank you. And we look forward to work, to work with, with you again. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you.